Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, loonies, and welcome back to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. You are listening to episode 147, and I am joined, oh, I am, I'm Ray, by the way, in case you don't know, and I have a very special guest with me for this episode tonight, um, it's Scott Weatherly from 20th Century Geek Podcast and Stories Out of Time and Space. Scott, big welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. I always love coming on Into the Night, you know, it's... Uh... Uh, just any, any chance to chat Moon Knight with other other fellow Moonies is is always a delight. Yeah, it, I haven't had you on nearly as uh, as much as I'd love to actually, Scott. I mean, uh, you have been on here before, uh, mm. mainly for uh, Scott did a, a an Isla, Isla Ra sessions. So uh, Loonies, you'd know that our last episode, 146, was a, an Isla Ra sessions with stand-up comedian Matt Kona. Scott, you were on um, back in uh, episode, I believe it was 54. I'm, I'm thinking, I thought I had it in the prompt sheet here. It, it's, it's escaping me now. 54, there we go. Um, 50, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while, yeah. 54, hitching a ride with the Silver Surfer. Um, so anyway, so very glad to have Scott here with us. Uh, just to let you know as well, this is a Lunar Pick review it is um the the phase of the moon deems it so we'll be looking at a classic run uh and it's um we've previously done it in episode actually episode seven back in mm-hmm. september 2017 so anyway this will be fun because we have a, a new fresh pair of eyes in scott um and a fresh perspective it should be uh, interesting to see what we kind of dig up with it um just before we get into it just a, a little bit of housekeeping as well a big thank you to our our sponsors um and i'd like to give the shout out to the Patroonies, uh, they um, have shown their, you know, their loyalty to the show, and thank you so much for for throwing some coin our way. Uh, it just helps us expand the show, helps us do more. And there's actually a little something later in the show which I'll I'll mention, um, which is the fruit of that. So so thank you very much. Um, big thanks to Dustin, Wayne, Justin, Joey, Jordan, Josh, James, and Anthony. Scott, can you say that really fast? I mean, that's a tongue twister. Yeah, I'll say, say that fast three times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so big thanks to, your, to you guys. Um, as, as you'll see on the... In the episode, you are credited as co-producers or executive producers. Um, so, very thank you, uh, thank you very much, very much appreciated. Uh, also, as well, a big uh, thanks to our sponsors, Hello Headphones, empowering gamers to play at their best. So, um, a big thanks to them for for helping prop up the show. Anyway, Scott, um, mm. want to kind of get into it. I mentioned it before. You previously came on the show, episode fifty-four, a while ago. I can't believe I haven't had you on for any comic book reviews this is the first one right this is this is going to be good yes yeah yeah no i'm looking forward and you picked a doozy put it here in mm. front of me all right so i've ah. got my, my uh, epic ah lovely uh, I, I thought about should i go in the attic and get the floppies out but i thought no i've got the i've got the wonderful uh, epic collection so it's a it's the beauty of the epic collections though isn't it? i've got it yeah i mean mm. like the floppies are good uh and they are and i i think we did an episode a few um 
episodes go with Noel and we're talking about how fun it was, I think we were leafing through Moon Knight 13, um, the, the mm. issue before this, and it was just so much fun going through it, seeing the ads and all that. But there is something really kind of compact and just really nice about having a an epic collection, yeah. epic collection with you. So, um, yeah, so I can't believe I haven't had you on the show previously, um, but, you know... Uh, you do podcast uh, a couple of really cool podcasts, uh, 20th Century Geek, which uh, covers a lot of geek culture stuff. Um, with that one, first of all, Scott, um, any um, anything you can divulge in way of uh, upcoming episodes? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, we're in the, um, we did a two-parter recently on... Um... In fact, it was you. I was talking about it. was yeah. in the Indiana Jones retrospective. Okay. I was about to say, yeah, so Ray, you joined Oops. me and we talked all, all things Indiana Jones. So that's uh, part two is due out next week. So that'll be due out um, uh, about the same time as this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I, um, I will gladly say I stole with pride your idea. Um, and I've started to do Desert Island Comics. I've yes. done a couple. Awesome. Um, and I had a, a friend, uh, a comic creator, Matt Garvey, uh, independent comic creator Matt Garvey on to talk about three of his favourite comics, awesome. uh, which is great. Coming up, and then in June, uh, I'm doing it. I don't know if it's me two or three part, but I'm looking at the the pulp hero sort of superhero films that came out post Batman right. '89. Uh, so we're looking at like Dark Man, The Rocketeer, The Phantom, The Shadow and uh, uh, Dick Tracy. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to that. I, I remember you, you put up a poll, I think, on Twitter mm. about it. Um, I, they, were all, they were all crackers. I, I can't remember who I voted for. Um, Darkman's definitely one of my favourites in the 90s, Liam Neeson. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. Was that a, was that a comic book adapt? Adaptation or no? No, was, okay. no, no, no. It was just—it's just—it's an independent um, new uh, IP. Sam Raimi um, wrote and directed it. Um, I'll get into it more on the show, but it's, yeah. it's very much sort of like post Batman. Like all the yeah. studios were like, "We need cheap soup. We can't afford the DC stuff and the Marvel <laughs> stuff. What can we pluck from?" So yeah, you get all these sort of like random sort of pulp superheroes start popping up that uh, studios can just throw out there and hope to surf on the back of the Batman wave. It's it, really interesting how... I mean, I'd never considered it, but, like, looking at it uh, from, a, I guess, a, a, a business sense, and as you say, like, Batman did so much success, had so much mm. success, that, yeah, it only makes sense that, yeah, the studio, and then they couldn't afford the the, the, um, the rights to particular things. Yeah, wow, I never really considered that, but um, that time was definitely peppered with a lot of kind of either... Obscure superheroes, yeah. or just like uh, really degrade superheroes, um, but uh, not, taking nothing away from them, of course, they're they're pretty cool. Um, also, your other podcast, which is awesome, uh, man, I've I, I've got to watch the, I've got to listen to the first episode. It's just dropped recently, but stories out mm. of time and space. I wanted to ask you um, just something slightly different. So, it's a relatively new podcast compared to your 20th Century Geek podcast. Um, mm. What what has been like a couple of your favourite um, favourite things that you've covered so far on that on that show? Um. Interesting enough, I mean, you know, it's it's me and uh, Julian Darius, who I had on 20th Century Geek quite a few times, and uh, we found that basically, before we recorded, we were talking for like an hour about like sci-fi and comics and all kinds of stuff, and I was like, look, we need to put this into a podcast. Mm. Um, so, that's what, so we sort of decided to start doing each episode a sci-fi movie, uh, um, some 
well known, some a little bit more obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones, the two really that I've really enjoyed are the first season. So we have we did season one, and we're just sort of doing an interlude at the moment. Is was Starship Troopers. Um, so Julie and I sort of getting into Starship Troopers. Yeah. Um, it was such, it's such a good. I think it's an underrated film. I think you know people sort of think of it as a sort of a daft nineties um, throwaway sci-fi sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. It, I mean, in in all in many many ways, it's a it's a spiritual sequel to RoboCop. You know, it's sort of where RoboCop is a um, a satire of corporate America in the eighties. Um, Starship Troopers is very much a satire of the jingoistic American thing of like you know they create the enemy and then they'll just make them the enemy and go and and you know um, go up. It, 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 but it was great fun. We yes. really got into it. You know, talking about its comparisons to sort of Apocalypse Now and uh, Rambo and all these other sort of wartime films. So that was really good fun. Uh, and we were both on the same sort of wavelength for that one. Yeah, I guess it's so deceiving because uh, the cast, uh, you know, a bunch of fresh-faced, you know, model-looking, uh, up-and-coming young, you know, young actors. So it is, I mean, I remember, it is hard to take it seriously because because of the mm. kind of the calibre of acting actors there. But um, I, I, you're right. Yeah, well, that's, a, that, that, that's sort of part of it, though. I think that's mm. the idea. It's, it's, right. it's, it's taking the mick out of that propaganda, this idea yeah, of, like, okay. you, get, you know, Jasper Van, uh, Casper Van Dien playing, uh, you know... Um, Johnny Rico, and the idea that he is sort of like square jawed, blonde, pretty boy, and then you've got Denise, you know, Denise Richards, who's mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, like, yeah, they, you know, these shouldn't really be, but then you're like, no, it's totally supposed to be a, right. a, a rip or a parody of those sort of like, you know, uh, things like Dan Dare or Flash Gordon or, you know, those sorts of things. I've, I've definitely got to watch it again because I did enjoy it when it was, I love the, because um, there's an over the top, from memory, over, to, over the top gore factor to it oh yeah um yeah. It, it's quite graphic uh, so it is fun in that sense and and it's you know um soldiers and stuff battling aliens so yeah mm. I'll, I'll 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 watch it again uh you know with fresh eyes i think this will be this will be quite interesting um it, it's definitely worth it's definitely worth revisiting it, it's pure paul verhoven like it's yes. verhoven you know really sort of um you know again undermining this the sort of studio system mm-hmm. i think you know he did a couple yeah. of rocky things you know um and i think you know he'd had robocop success total recall success yes and they were like yeah go make this and i think they were expecting they were expecting maybe sort of like rambo in space and what they got i don't think the studios knew how to market <laughs> yeah right or what making it so yeah it got a little bit mixed up but i think it's a great film and it oh. is definitely worth revisiting Oh, awesome! Um, before I ask you for another another favourite that you may have um, from uh, stories out of time and space, uh, I've got to uh, just shout out the episode that you guys did on on Star Wars. Um, mm. Brutally, <laughs> brutally honest, I must say. Um, maybe more from Jules's yeah. side of things, uh, which was very. Uh, look, I, I'm not a look. I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. I do love. The franchise. I watched all the films, although I'm, I'm running behind on a bit of the later ones. But um, you know, I do, I did love it. I'm not a mega fan, so I found it very interesting. I, d- I didn't take anything, you know, to heart because it was just a critical, a critique on yeah. on what I guess Jules thought of it and and yourself because you were a bit more favourable to it. But um, I highly recommend any loonies that are fans of Star Wars to give it a listen uh, because there are so many, I think, salient points that you guys raised. Um, you know, you can't argue the fact against what you've said as well. So, um, yeah, no, it's um, 
Yeah, he, he. I wouldn't say he broke me, but he, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those films that when you go back and you do watch with the critical eye. I mean, I do mm. love it. You know, I've got. Mm. A, it's, it's like you, you've got the nostalgia factor. It's mm-hmm. the sort of. It, I mean, Star Wars: A New Hope, in particular, is, is the start of many young people's fandom. You know, that's where they start. It's sort of, yes. and it's aimed at kids. Even George Lucas says like, they are kids' films, and it, yeah. it, it fundamentally is. Um, and I won't take anything away from that. I still do enjoy it. But when, yeah. you, when you go and look at it and watch it as an adult with a critical eye, you do start to ask questions about character motivation and, yeah. you know, I mean, the two things that sort of got called out quite sort of originally is the inconsistency of the Jedi powers. Yeah. Um, you know, and also the fact that like Luke is raised by these two people uh, for years, you know, for his entire life. And then when they're killed, he sort of, he's sad for all of like 20 minutes. And then when, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi dies, who's sort of like, he's been influenced for a couple of days. It's like a life changing event. And it's mm. sort of like, emotionally it's sort of you know it's but it's not supposed to be that it's a pulpy no. fun film yes, but, um, that's right yeah and, and you're right it's the really nostalgia that yeah oh it's, it's a ripper of a conversation so lenny's um de- definitely check it out um any other um before I, I i give a little nice plug to you one of your later ones uh any other any other favorites that you want to shout out because I, I love sci-fi so this is why i'm kind of lingering um, also yeah. on this podcast. Um, the, the the one that was interesting was actually our, our last two because um, we sort of alternated in picks. So Julian would pick one, and I'd pick one, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and the last two were uh, Inception, which is mm-hmm. very much yep. uh, you know mm-hmm. one of Julian's favourites, uh, and then Looper, which it, and again I acknowledge the flaws in that film and mm-hmm. some of the you know um, time travelling inconsistencies of it. But basically, it was that, yeah, those two were great because it was sort of Inception was me sort of picking fault with that. Not Again, it's a Christopher Nolan film. It's very, very good. Mm-hmm. But Julian clearly likes it a lot more than me. So yeah. it was it was good to say. And then he came into Looper basically saying, this is rubbish. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a, it's, it's a misunderstood masterpiece. Come on, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been some fantastic and uh, really fun discussions about some films. I think I think there are films. And in season two, there's going to be some good ones as well. Um, okay. Films that get held up as classics, yep. you know, and then people just take that as a line. Oh, it's of course, it's, of course, it's a great film. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's that, and then you have to get back to it and say, look, you can love it, and I love it. Yes. but let's acknowledge its flaws. Like you know, it's kind mm. of fun to do so, and it, it, it needs just to to be acknowledged that nothing's perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, I think you raised that in the um, in the Star Wars thing. That was a, I thought it was a very good point. I mean, you have to acknowledge the fact that yeah, I mean, people have. Uh, uh, and associated it with with kind of milestones in their life, you know, whether it's formative, growing up and stuff, and and so they hold it in a very special place. But yeah, mm. as you grow up, a different perspective. Um, it, it doesn't mean that it's Teflon, you know. You know, you you, you do have to look at it and of course there are flaws there are flaws in everything that you can that you can pick so um yeah yeah no no very, very good point with that as well um i think it's a very unfair thing to say as well but i was about to say do you guys um pan each other's picks of reviews just to spite each other <laughs> um not so much i'm pretty sure that julian came in a little harder on looper just because i made him watch it <laughs> yeah, right. yeah yeah um but uh, no, I think we've been pretty even-handed, and again, okay. sort of like you know, I think season two um, has got some doozies in there. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of films that I that I've picked that um, I, well, there's one in particular that I know Julian hasn't seen yet, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm really interested to sort of you know get his take on. And then we've got a couple of like that. We've got, um, we've got Barbarella is oh, in season yeah. two. Awesome. Um, 
Yeah, so you know, we we do the it turns out we do the highbrow, the high concept, but yeah. we're, we're more than happy to go with full on camp as well. And, yeah. and you oh, know, it's all yeah, part, just about it. All part and parcel, the whole spectrum. You mm. know what I mean? So, um, yeah. but, but speaking of class, I, I wanted to, to give a like. Red Dwarf is coming. That's all I'm saying, and I I, I can't wait. Um, I think you you've dropped the um the bonus episode, the episode one. Um, I haven't mm. listened to it yet, but I can't. Oh, actually, I'm thinking should I should I do a, a quick rewatch uh, and then um uh, you know at least the initial thing and then come back because I love that show. I, I hold it up as probably one of my all time favorite. Um, I think one of the uh, I can't remember someone on Twitter coined it pretty well as uh one of the best all-time sci-fi comedy shows i think mm. um and i believe yeah, that. It, yeah. yeah. oh yeah I, I tell you what's been really interesting doing this i mean two things is um i've done a complete rewatch so julie and i have worked through from season one we're now wow. up to sort of the the, the newest seasons mm-hmm. so we're on to t- uh, just watching 10 and 11 at the moment ready to record those tomorrow um and uh yeah, it's been a really because this has been part of my life for years. Mm. Like you know, in the nineties, I collected, and I've, I've because of this rewatch of things, I've gone back and collected them again. The magazine, which was a sort of a magazine mm. release with Red Dwarf on, so I've got them all on physical media. I've got them on digital media. So I love Red Dwarf, love it, all the novels. Um, and but going back to it again, like I say, it's, it's a similar thing to Star Wars, and you apply like that adult, maybe a critical eye to it. Um, you know, and you have to take this is a, it's a weekly sitcom with a low budget. Like you know, it's not. It's not high art, it's great. But you you see, you start to see consistency. There's continuity errors and all this other stuff, which we do take the mick out of a little bit. Yeah. But there's a couple of things in it that like have really dawned on me in this. I'm not going to spoil everything, but um, for me, like Dave Lister, that it was always the sort of the protagonist. Like, yeah. He's the last human, he's in space, and he's got these sort of like, these characters that sort of support that that premise. And the more I've watched this one, the more I've lent into Rimmer. So Arnold Rimmer, who's the okay. his dead crewmate, the hologram, mm-hmm. and also in the sort of like the emotional journey and growth actually that that Chris Barry takes Arnold Rimmer through as, as the actor. And I'm like, but I say by season six and seven, we were just like, no, I, th- I think this is Rimmer's show. I'm oh, really wow. beginning to think this is Rimmer's <laughs> show. Um, so yeah, it's been fascinating and. Um, uh, some of the episodes are going to have to be split up. We did we did season seven and eight as a as a single sitting. It took us mm. four hours. It was a four hour conversation. <laughs> yeah, so some of them are going to be split. Um, but yeah, no, it's been fantastic. I've loved it, and um, I'm, I'm I've been really surprised by the response as well. Like, as soon as mm. I mentioned we were doing this, everyone was like, "Oh yes, oh, yeah." Uh, and I thought I thought it would be a bit of a you know I was, I was a bit concerned it would be a bit of like meh, but <laughs> no, it's been fantastic. It's been a great response. So. I'll be yeah. interested to see what people have to say back to some of our comments. Yeah, uh, well, I'll be I'll be listening intently, and, and it's um it is cool. It's like, for me, it was one of those things. Like when you announced that a show, um, you know, I was thinking it's only a matter of time before Red Dwarf. You know, so there was kind of this looming mm-hmm. behemoth that was coming up. So it was quite exciting when when it's come out. And Looney's um for those. Who, I'm not too sure if it's been that popular over in the US. So, um, so Looney, uh, Red Dwarf, I mean. So, Looney's, mm-hmm. if you haven't heard of it, I highly recommend it. It's, um, 
it it's gone for what 11 12 seasons uh, there's a big gap between obviously uh season 10 yep. right and 11 or 9 and 10 uh, there is uh, so big gaps all over the place yeah oh, pretty yeah, consistent yeah. from 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 uh, from 1988 through to about 1999 you get mm-hmm. the first eight seasons yes eight, yeah. then there's a 10 then there was a 10 year gap and yep. a new channel picked it up and they've done series and and they've yep. just recently did a feature length episode as well that was the final thing that came out in april this year so oh, okay. we're going to lead right up to that as well Awesome, uh, a very cool thing, and and you, you're talking about Rimmer, uh, um, awesome concept. I, I think of, mm-hmm. of this dead crew member, hard light or soft light. He he kind of yeah. goes between one or the other, but a hologram essentially with the the personality. Um, just really great sci-fi stuff. So uh, American Loonies, if you aren't familiar with the show, I'll put a link in the show notes. Go check it out. Um, it, it's a, it is a classic, uh, and it's definitely worth watching. Um, Alrighty, well, well, Scott, just going back, just before we get into the scant bit of news that I have, um, <laughs> just going back to, just very quickly, so you were on the Isle of Ra, episode 54, mm-hmm. um, so your books, just to recap, was uh, you, you chose a Chew, basically, which I believe was, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think it was a trade, that you, I think it was, a, you picked the whole list, the whole thing. It was a one-off, it was a, it was a one-off oh, that's right. yeah. on the, the adventures the of chicken the, uh, oh, yeah, the chicken, yeah. The chicken, that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, you included awesome stuff, Moon Knight from Warren Ellis, issue four, mm-hmm. a fantastic one about, uh, I think it was Sleep, right? Sleep, Sleep yeah. about the, the mushrooms and the dreams, uh, beautiful art by Declan Shelby. Um, you capped it off with also then Shadow of the Bat, the Nobody, mm. and the big, um, very popular, I believe, Grant Morrison Animal Man run, and that issue with uh, that Looney Tunes, which I found the- yes, the Coyote. Oh my yeah. god, yeah, very very good. So, um, so go mm. check it out, Looney's. Um, check our back catalogue, episode fifty four, um, and I've just spoiled all the all the um, <laughs> books for you, but um, you, you know I think it's well worth a listen. Uh, moving on to our white noise, our news. Now, there's only one bit of news, and just to let you know, Loonies, we are recording on the weekend, uh, and this episode will drop midweek, so if there happens to be massive news between now and Wednesday, uh, I don't know, I'll just record a two-minute thing and, and, and drop it in. But um, but so far, the only bit is uh, there's been an announcement by Marvel um, as uh, there's a whole batch of comics coming out, being released finally uh, on May 27th. Um, so we're, I, I assume Diamond then is kickstarting again. They're being able to distribute, mm. and the comics are flowing. The tap is on again. And uh, and so a- Avengers 33, The Age of Conchu, uh, it begins, baby. So end of May. It's, it's about a month late, but we're, we're going to get there. Scott, I, I'm assuming you're going to be picking this one up. Yeah, this is interesting because I've been I've been collecting the Avengers run in trade, so mm-hmm. I've been a little bit you know behind me collecting the trades for it. And uh, but I do think I'm going to have to jump ahead and and start collecting this. Probably do it digitally, but yeah, no, it looks yep. good. It's interesting. I mean, Moon Knight sort of gone through. Um, his, I mean, his status quo is changing constantly. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, not it is. But I mean, you had last year the annual with him against mm. um, Kang, uh, Kang the, the Conqueror, which is really good. I love mm. that it went through time and, and, and that notion of, of the the Moon Knights in time, and then um, Serpent War, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Actually, I thought it was really cool. And again, oh, we're talking about you know the pulp, the pulp heroes, you know, so Conan and yeah. uh, um, and uh, all that um, Solomon Kane. Um, but the, the, the mo- that bit at the end yes. where. Moon Knight became sort of like astral 
Yeah. Sort of, you know, phased and stuff. I was like, "Oh, what is going to happen with this?" I know. So yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't had much since. No. So I'm wondering, like, is that going to be a part and parcel of this story? Obviously, mm. obviously you know, you, you've shown them on on the, on Facebook and that the covers have sort of been suggested. So there's Moon Knight. Yeah. Um, was it was it Moon Knight with holding um, Thor's hammer? Yeah. Was, was yeah. One. It and, seems like everyone these days can hold Mjolnir. So <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then there's all the mummies. That's at the end. Yeah. I don't know what they've got in, in store, but um, yeah. I, it almost seems like Moon Knight's going to be the villain at some point. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I think he's going to be. He's going to be kind of like Namor, like uh, seen mm. as the villain at first, and and hopefully then he comes good, or at least Conchu is seen as the villain. Um, he's always kind of been a little bad, but I'm hoping Conchu Moon Knight is seen as the villain, but then Moon Knight kind of maybe steps up and, yeah. and steps out of it and eventually maybe joins the Avengers, who knows. Um, but you mentioned those other things, that uh, little things were planted along the way. So uh, it was interesting because when we were tracking those recent releases of Moon Knight in the annual with Kang, um, what we found when we reviewed that issue was uh, immediately Konshu had the, the, I guess, the incarnation of Konshu had changed. He's now very much non... He's not ambiguous anymore. He's very much mm. like a god there. So um, Cullen Barn and maybe some of the other writers have said, okay, Conchu now is a set thing. And this could probably lead into the age of Conchu because I think Jason Aaron wants Conchu to be this deity that wreaks havoc on the universe. So he's now no longer like... Um, and there's that ambiguity which a lot of loonies are, I guess, a little disappointed in. We lose that ambiguity about Mark, about whether or not... Mm. He really is listening to Conchu, or he's just he's just crazy. Um, I still think that he can do that. Maybe with Conchu being real as well, might might have to t- uh, might need a bit of creative writing there to to work that out. But um, yeah, so a lot of things where he was losing that kind of is he is he crazy or isn't he? Um, and then uh, as you mentioned, um, the kind of crazy power that he kind of gets mm. towards the end of Serpent War that directly leads into um, into the age of Conchu for sure because Moon Knight in the uh, solicits has said that he's got these godlike powers which it seems that he does in Serpent War so uh, I'm happy that there's a lot of continuation there or continuity between the runs but I guess we'll see and it's a very different Moon Knight I mean are you adverse to him being super powered for instance or no I think the thing the thing with with Moon Knight is he, he, you know, it's never one thing. Yeah. So I mean, he's been he's been super powered before. Mm-hmm. You know, he sort of his strength has been, uh, as you would say, waxes and wanes with the sort of the phases of the moon. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's done other things. So no, I'm, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. It's interesting. The thing with Moon Knight is you can do this. Yeah. You know, or he's in you know maybe he's endowed with the with these superpowers by Konshu and super you know and Konshu is a god. All right, yeah. fine. Let's see how this this pans out. Could be great. Could be the new status quo, and it works brilliantly. Yeah. Could be that it's not great, and someone then comes along and says, "Do you know what? Just, Actually, yeah, that did happen." Forget. But is now being yeah. Or, yeah. Forget, or forget about it, or yeah. just you know, we'll, we'll write our way out of it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm happy either way. We're getting more Moon Knight. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's Jason Aaron doing it. So exactly. I, you know, he's done some great stuff. So I'm interested to see what he's got to to offer. Really. Yeah. I mean, he's just going to add another. You know, another, what do you call it, notch to his belt. I guess he's handled all mm. the big guns, like Ghost Rider, Wolverine, mm. a th- a Thor, Doctor Strange. Now he's doing Moon Knight. Now, arguably, you could say Moon Knight's way, way, way lower in that in that sphere than yeah. those other big names out there. But still, um, as Looney's, you know, Moon Knight is 
is the best. So <laughs> let's keep it up. I, there. I, do, I do, yeah. I mean, if honestly, I do think this is going to be one of those things of the they're going to try and raise him, mm-hmm. elevate him a little bit again. Wow. You know, they've given him the push in the past, and I think this could be. I mean, you've got the Moon Knight Disney Plus show coming That's, at some point. Yeah, you yeah. know, in the next couple of years, and if you're going to have that show you know i my expectations you're going to see she hulk and mm-hmm. moon knight and you know all those and the other characters like Sa- uh, shan chi's got a film coming out yeah I mean, i'm expecting these sort of like these 70s characters to start elevating and, and sort of getting their yeah. own runs or getting some specials and that sort of thing so now to me I'm, I'm all good with that yeah i mean at the very least you know if if they don't kind of push on to 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 become elevated there'll be a lot more material out there anyway as a promotional push for, for them. Um, whether or not they kind of remain standing, we'll see. Because I only think of, like, um, say, for instance, uh, the Netflix shows with, um, say, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Jessica Jones. Like, they did release more series out for them, but they're kind of mm. back in obscurity again because, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, they're, they're still popular, but they're not... It's, mm. it's like they're not regular mainstays no. that sort of stuff if it just if all it results in is they they get on and release more of the epic run yes. and i get i get sort of you know mark, mark specter yeah. in, in, in collected then i'm happy with that yeah <laughs> that, that's that's the end game <laughs> that's what I, yeah. that's what i'm hoping for as well um all right scott uh, i think it's about time let's take a quick short break and uh and loonies when we come back scott and i will start uh, ripping into our discussion mm. on uh, the classic run of Moon Knight. I, can't, I don't even believe I've mentioned it at the top of the show. Volume 1, issue 14 by Doug Mensch, Bill Sienkiewicz, Stained Glass Scarlet. So catch you then. Hey everyone, this is Brian, the host of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And since 2017, Inner Demons has been the best place on the web for news, reviews, and regular discussion with our listeners about Marvel's Spirit of Vengeance, Ghost Rider. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast catchers, as well as on Twitter, at InnerDemonsGR. Remember, listening to your Inner Demons is not always a bad thing. Ride on. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 147. I'm with very special guest Scott Weatherly from 20th Century Geek Podcast and Stories Out of Time and Space. And uh, Scott and I, Scott incidentally as well, is a mega Moon Knight fan. Um, I'd say, Scott, I think I put you in the Omega level. Um, I'm not too sure because you have every single run, every single issue, right? Yes. yes, I've got everything in. I've got everything in floppy, and and um, you know, then the trades, and then the digital. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, no no <laughs> it's mean a bit, of a, yeah. bit of addiction. <laughs> yeah, and, and no mean feat. And actually, full credit to to doing that now because I guess a lot of loonies will be hard pressed to find some issues. What with the TV show coming up and and prices jacking up. Um, so yes, this is Scott's. Uh, you know, he's yeah. you've closed the gate there. You've managed to herd in the cattle there. And, um, I was. Uh, the, the, I have to comment on that the the, uh, the the moment that Moon Knight was it was announced as a Disney Plus show, 
And, and I gave it a day or two, and I thought, you know, what? I'm going to check eBay. I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. And then to see sort of, um, you know, Moon Knight number one was 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 going for like, you know, ridiculous money. Still in the tens, you know, sort of seventy, eighty, eighty dollars or mm-hmm. pounds. But then, uh, um, Werewolf by Night, um, thirty two, isn't 32. it? Um, yeah, yeah. Going for like hundreds, ah. and I even saw one. I even saw one, and it was sort of it was classes. It was um, you know a, a, about a six or a, a six point five sort of thing, and they were they were cracking out for two grand. And I'm just Whoa. like, oh, nay, yeah. Someone someone's pushing their luck. There. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna get that for for those issues. But, yeah, um, oh, who, who knows? The longer we have to wait for this TV show, the anticipation grows. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't got Wolf by Night Thirty Two. Look. I'll be happy for a slab version of a 1.0 or a 0.5 or whatever. I mean, I've read it, so I don't really need to leap through yeah. it. Um, but it'll be good to own it. But yeah, they're getting harder to find. Uh, and not mm. only the, the floppies, the um, the trades as well. So anyway, loonies, um, we are here for a review. The phase of the moon as you look into the night sky. It is a waning crescent. So contrary decrees that we do a classic run review. And as mentioned, it is Moon Knight number one, issue four, uh, volume one issue 14 stained glass scarlet now um uh, it's available as as scott's mentioned it's on floppy form uh it is actually in an essential collection form it's volume two uh, unfortunately unfortunately this is out of print as well and, and mm. long gone it's a black and white kind of a like a newspaper stocky kind of um collection really fun to read and actually uh, really good for moon night because it i think that pulpiness uh, really comes through uh but also scott and i are reading from uh the epic collection so uh, volume two shadows of the moon which i do believe has recently gone out of print as well from diamond um so uh i'm, I'm a big i'm starting to become a big epic collection collector scott and mm. a lot of these epic collectors um, this volume two of Moon Knight is a white whale to many of them. So um, again, we're pretty lucky that we got <laughs> we got him. Yeah, um, this was a, this was a day of release kind of purchase. For yeah. Me. yeah, these, these epic collections are amazing. I've got yeah, as yourself, I've got I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of things, uh, a couple of the runs and stuff now. They're, yeah, they're yeah. really good. I mean, I think without them, I maybe wouldn't have explored the older sixties. Um, you know, uh, issues. Uh, but now I, I love them. I love reading these older, older type of issues. Um, they're really good. All the, all the decades. They're, they're really cool. Mm. Um, so this was published December, 1981. We have writer Doug Mensch, uh, uh, super team penciler and inks uh, Bill Sienkiewicz colorist Chrissy Skeel letterer Janice, uh, Janice Janice uh, Chang and editor Denny O'Neill now Scott I haven't um, I haven't discussed with this uh, this with you but we have um, a bare bones we have a synopsis so Lenny's we, we go through a summary of the issue and then Scott and I will go through some aspects just loosely talk about writing art themes or characterizations before we give it a moon rating system so a moon rating from our system um so scott as you can see in the prompt sheet i've slightly colored two two sections of it would you mind reading one of them i can read the other half um i don't know if you have the yeah no i'm happy to do that do you want to start yeah okay i'll start um and uh, you will take it from there so loonies this was actually the same synopsis which i wrote back in uh in episode what was it episode uh seven what did i say at the beginning of the show yes seven. episode yeah, seven, seven. Yeah. so um i'm hoping my writing skills have improved since then anyway we'll, we'll see how we go um okay 
In a rundown church in the South Bronx, a lone woman drifts within, tortured by memories. She is stained glass scarlet, and amongst the solitude, she contemplates her next move involving a recent prison escapee, Mad Dog Fascinera. As Stephen and Marlene enjoy a cultured evening, their night is cut short by news on the radio of Mad Dog Fascinera in a shootout with police. Moon Knight springs into action, and it's not long before he spots the gunfire from the Mooncopter. Moon Knight manages to subdue the bank robbers, but Mad Dog manages to escape, killing one of his own men along the way. Having evaded Moon Knight's grasp, Moon Knight decides to track down two of the other bank robbers who also manage to escape. They lead him to an abandoned store, but Moon Knight is surprised to see a woman in red appear and enter the store as well. The robbers are also surprised that their secret safe house is compromised and are stunned that the woman in red knows of it. Moon Knight intervenes and makes short work of the criminals, but it's so intrigued by Stained Glass Scarlet, the woman in red, that he is compelled to follow. Moon Knight confronts her in the abandoned church and Stained Glass Scarlet tells of her origin, how she was a nun before becoming a reformed criminal, before meeting reformed criminal Vince Fascinera, how they married but Vince returned to his old ways, neglected his son and ultimately returning to a life of crime how his last bank job ends with his death and the mysterious disappearance of all the bank money. And finally, Joe. Finally, how Joe, left without a father, grows resentful and ultimately criminal, abandoning his mother. As Moon Knight reflects on this tale, this sad tale, Joe, Mad Dog Fascinera, appears, determined to retrieve his father's hidden loot from Stained Glass Scarlet. She pleads to her son that she is all he needs and Moon Knight valiantly attempts to defuse the situation. Moon Knight is shot, but in the melee, Stained Glass Scarlet pulls a gun on her own son. Stained Glass Scarlet makes her hardest decision that a mother never should, is, should and is forced to kill her own son. In a final twist, as Mad Dog clutches the bell rope, the bell sounds his death knell, but also reveals the hidden cash which has been hidden within the church bell all these years. Yes, Lenny, so that is our bare bones. Just a, a quick summary in case you don't have the issue um, to, to know what we're going to be discussing um, in this uh, this issue here by Doug Mensch. Uh, so thank you, Scott. That was cool. That was cool. Um, now, first, off the bat, before we get into any of our, any of our points, um, overall, how did you find this issue, Scott? Did you enjoy it? Was it a, a little... Yeah, no, I... I, I really like this issue, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think this sort of um, one of the things that Doug Munch does really well in this first run is this balance of um, you know comic booky fun and ludicrousness, and then all of a sudden you get an issue like this, and it's a sort of like oh right, he can do this as well. I mean, this has a sort of you know that air of of uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil about it a mm. little bit. Um, but it's slotted between uh, it's so it's slotted between so issue thirteen is Moon Knight teaming up with Daredevil mm-hmm. for a fun sort of like, t- you know superhero romp, and yeah. then it's followed by another issue where a guy's got rats dressed as soldiers. So you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you know, there's, there's ludicrousness and fun in this uh, in this run, but then yeah. he, he slips in these kinds of issues, which I I just yeah, this is why I, I love this run so much. This is a this is a great run, and and I always kind of say holistically. Um, I think it's the impression Mensch leaves holistically, um, which has become like the legacy for Moon Knight, rather than like particular 
arcs or events within this run, if you if you know what I mean. Like, um, mm. as you say, it is funny. Like this issue is uh, bookended by just two really weird issues. One um, <laughs> of Daredevil and the Jester, which, for all intent, is more of a more of your kind of mainstream Marvel comic of that of that of this era. Um, and the mm. and the other one with the rats is uh, is a little weird. This is more. This to me is. This is the world building, I think, Mensch. Uh, this mm. issue, issue 14, is the world building. And I, I just love it so much. This, um, although I say it's hol- holistically, um, I think this issue really encapsulates, I, I think, the impression that the whole run um, mm. uh, it, it gives to you when you, upon reading or finishing the whole, you know, all, all 38 issues. Um, it's really... Um, Really cool indeed. Uh, sorry, Scott, I forgot to mention loonies as well. Before we get into this, we do have a prize giveaway. I haven't actually. <laughs> okay, so you're going to have to listen very carefully. We're going to go through this discussion. I forgot to mention loonies. We're going to go through this discussion. Um, at the end of it, after we give our rating, I'm going to come up with a question. And uh, and the first loony to answer it correctly in any of the social media platforms or email, um, where I'll, I'll I'll shoot out a couple of oversized ITK stickers for you. So um, I managed to print out a fair few stickers, which is really cool. So keep your ears out for the question at the end, um, and get your answer in quick sticks. Um, so anyway, out of that out of the way. Yes, Scott, uh, a very very cool issue, and it's the introduction of a a very popular. Um, anti-hero slash villain uh she's mm. very kind of vague i mean we see her in in the different runs but yeah and i really enjoy this issue um right well uh i don't know scott if, if you want to lead off with any particular points of from any of the themes or aspects um we can start cracking on it yeah there's a there's a couple of things really that again sort of you know um i hadn't read this in a while but going back i've read it a couple of times now in the last couple of days and mm. there's a couple of things that sort of stand out that um I mean, you know, the, the two sort of themes that, well, there's a couple of things, but the main one is redemption. Like, there's a real yeah. thing in here about redemption um, and whether it's a choice. Um, and But also in that redemption, having the right people around you. Um, yeah. you know, there's a clear thing of, of um, you know, uh, Scarlet has, has made this choice to sort of seclude herself in the church um, and... Although you know it's revealed, her son, you know, Mad Dog is her son. I almost feel like he's, even though he's escaped, all it has done has brought forward events. Like when he mm-hmm. was released from prison, this same thing would have happened in some way. Yes, you know, she, she was preparing for this event um, to, to confront her son and, and offer some form of redemption. But I think she feels it's a redemption for her. But because she's taking it as solitude, um, it's become about you know this, this dedicated mission. Mm. Um, but there's a conversation uh, between sort of uh, Marlene and uh, Stephen Grant about um, redemption and how you know if it's rede- if this is a rede- if being Moon Knight and you know sort of saving people and, and fighting crime is re- a redemption for his soul, then he's glad that she's been there and she has actually been an imp- impetus for that. Um, so I feel that yeah, they're trying to comment on this thing of sort of having the right people around you can actually probably direct your energies in a better way mm-hmm. uh, than. And stuff, so I find that interesting. Oh no, that's that's very, um, yeah, very interesting. I mean, her the character herself is I found interesting, and off the back of your point as well, um, of her trying to redeem herself, um, I think 
you know, the main thing for me, the thing that stood out for me from the writing was was the main plot of her her origin and and setting her up. Mm. Um, I think so. Doug Mensch, um, obviously, I think he invested a lot in in this character. He really wanted to build her up. I mean, there were a few hits and misses um, along the way. Characters coming and going didn't really quite work, but I think he really mm. does want to try and um, flesh out um, stained glass Scarlet. So you do get a lot, uh, and there is. Um, I think, as you say, yeah, she, she's kind of locked herself away, waiting for it. Interesting that you say that events would have panned out regardless of if he escaped or not, which I think is absolutely true. I mean, Mad Dog wants to... Um, he's got this burning, um, I think, anger towards his mum. I, I don't think he even expects her to be around. He, he just wants to find the loot that um, his father, Vince, um, has kind of mm. left, right? And. And so he kind of knows that it's it's in the church tower. I guess that's why Scarlet um, positions herself there. But I really like how she's um, set up. So at the very beginning, uh, and Doug mentioned beautiful writing. I mean, I can't really mm. place any other writers kind of doing maybe JMD Mateus um, of this type of writing. Uh, anyway, the way he describes and, and introduces her. Um, you know, she's she's sitting upstairs in the attic, kind of drinking wine with, with Gummich, her her cat. But we immediately know that she's quite intelligent. She goes and she goes to the old organ, even though it's not it's not working. She actually plays out some bark on there, which is very mm-hmm. very complicated. She looks at um, I've got these things: the masters, uh, chess masters, uh, Steinitz, uh, de Rivere, uh, Alekine, and um, Nim uh, Nimzovich. Um, and she studies the the chess pieces there, so she's obviously very and she's highly intelligent. Um, well, that's how he's trying to pan her out anyway. Um, and then she goes uh, into a photo album, and then later on we see her origin, um, quite tragic. So we're actually um, emotionally tied to her in in the second time we see it, like her becoming a nun when she's explaining to Moon Knight. Um, so it's hard to um, to kind of be against her. And I think in this issue, she she hasn't really become the fully formed stained glass scarlet that we know yet anyway. Like, she hasn't got the crossbow. She's, she's not going out seeking vengeance, which you see a bit later on in the um in the run and in the Mark Spector Moon Knight. Yeah, I think, you know, um, seeing your notes, you make a good point of, like, I think this is the instigating for that, isn't it? Sort mm. of the, the final event of the book is her having to kill her son. Yeah. Um, if I remember rightly, the follow-up to this is actually her trying to kill the gang. She yes. blames the gang, and so it's you know it's a thing of like, look, my I couldn't save my son. I had to take the action of, of you know because she offers him, she offers him outright redemption. Like, stop what you're doing. Mm. You know, I've been here three years in this church. I haven't even looked for the for the, for the cash. Like, it's yeah. it, it's not important. Yes, I can offer. Like the love of the fam, I can yes. offer you family. I can offer you love, protection. So, which is sort of goes back to what we said about Marlene sort of supporting um, uh, Stephen. You know, she she says you know you've you've gone from being this sort of merciless, soulless mercenary killer mm. to being this crime fighter. And so, sort of, you know, Scarlet's offering the same thing of like, look, you've made mistakes, you've done this, but I can help you. We can, yes. we can sort this out together. And he chooses not to. You know, he instead yeah. of sort of following the path of righteousness, he does. He, threatens to kill her basically yeah um that's a very good that's a very good point and and that actually highlights exactly the parallels between mad dog and moon knight um and, mm. and stained glass fascinator and and marlene as well which actually gives marlene a lot more um 
I guess, weight in this issue as well. I mean, she, I think she's used effectively here because we don't see much of her um, with these like deep and meaningful talks and this time with, with Stephen. Um, she's always kind of just there before he heads off or, you know, she's there when he just returns and, you know, she's sauntering yeah. around in her, in her lingerie. So that's the lingerie. Yeah. <laughs> so I love how she's, um, they've spent a bit more time here. Um, I just wanted your, your take on it as well. So they're going through, um, they're going through some books and, um, mm-hmm. uh, and she's playing stuff on the piano. It turns out she's playing some of the Beatles, you know, and all that. She gets really emotional. Is this because... What, what was this? Was this because of her talk to I him? Check this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I checked this because the other thing that I got throughout all this, this gun is a statement on gun violence. Okay. Um, so, it, you know, when you go back to that sort of opening, even from the very beginning, this mm. talk of gun, you know, it's sort of... Um, it's mentioned throughout that, you know, uh, and as you find out more... Um, that um you know he killed when you see the origin you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh vince fast was shot yeah um you know then you find out that her son mad dog has has killed or shot six people killing one mm-hmm. she's got she has a gun waiting oh, yeah there is a lot of gun moon, action isn't there yeah and moon you know moon not uses one of his moon darts to sort of or his moon uh crescent darts to sort of Push, you know, knock it out of the way of her hand and there's actually two moments where they mirror some of the text so this moment here where she's playing the piano mm-hmm. the thing we should highlight th- this book came out or is, is published for December 1981 mm-hmm. it's 12 months after the death of John Lennon ah right it's quite close so, isn't it yeah so that's sort of it's, you know, so it's the anniversary of his death right and so that comment of John Lennon dying is this this again it's sort of like you know I think it's like Monch just making a bit of a comment on mm-hmm. the, the the dream you know, sort of, like, you know, imagine all the people and, and right, all that kind yes. of stuff is, is, is over. But those three panels, you sort of see her and see her crying and she sort of clenches her fist right. over the, the, the key, the keys. And it just has guns. Yes. The last, the last panel, uh, if I get to the end of the book, mm-hmm. uh, has a similar moment where it just sort of, uh, Scarlet just says it, you know, she basically says, um, your, uh, your costume to the country, Moon Knight, uh, things are never black and white, and then she mm. just says, "Guns." Yeah. Yes. Right. Is that, is that again, I think that, that again, there's a comment on on gun violence in this because again, like you say, Mad Dog's out to shoot people. Like, yeah. Literally, yeah. the first time you really see him is him firing a gun. Like, that's the first yeah. time you really see him. In the well, panel. I'm going to take it even further. I didn't realize it, and it's such a that's actually such a good thing to point out. But the the very first splash page, which is, is very striking, mm. uh, stained glass Scarlet holding a gun. Uh, and it's kind of like a stained glass, and uh, she shoots mm. through Moonlight, which such an evocative first image. But yeah, wow, there's a lot more, lot more to it now with that knowing that, like about the guns and mm. and Lennon as well, so timely. Um, yeah, brilliant. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I think Monk is really stacking this in. I mean, you know, um, you know, the, the the you get the whole thing. I mean, it's if anything, you can say it's two packed. I mean, cause you've also got the whole thing about religion. So you've got the redemptive yeah. sort of nature of religion. Like, you know, she was a nun. Um, uh, and then she sort of, she gave up uh, the church and being a nun to, you know, to become the wife to, uh, to Vince Fasanera. And then she's now become, um, she's now become stained glass scarlet. And I think one of the things that she highlights throughout all of this is when she was a kid, she was never sure if she was going to be an actress, mm. try to be an actress or, or join join the the, uh, the church 
And then when she does join the church, she says, I realised I was just playing another role. Then I became a mother and I realised I was playing another role. And yeah. to me, to me, Scarlet is just another role. Like, you know, um, she, she's almost like, she's a lost woman. Like, she never knows. Every yeah. time she tries something, takes something away from her. So when you do see her going through um, her solitude at the beginning of the, of the issue, which I really do like, mm. she, she's taking this opportunity to just, like I say, to better herself. Like, you know, she can play the organ. She's yeah. clearly sort of playing, learning strategic thinking from chess. She's reading all these books. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, a stu- she's studying the stars. Like, it's, it's interesting that she's still searching for who she is. Yeah. You know, like, you know, what could, if I, to me, I think she's thinking, if I learn all this stuff, if I know all this stuff, mm. I can be, I, I can be a better person that can help my son. Yeah. But she's still looking for that role sort of in, in her life. Yeah. I mean, and it's, um, yeah. And the tragic thing is, is that um, she's, I mean, she, yeah, she's totally lost, isn't she? She's a totally lost soul. Um, but the tragic thing is, is that she has been pushed to particular limit at the at the at this point as well, and I think she's taken over the edge with with her unfortunately killing her son, Mad Dog. But you see, um, what I found interesting was immediately when she sees Moon Knight, she knows who he is. She calls him out as Moon Knight, but um, I think there's this question of whether or not he's a white angel. Um, so her, um, I guess her beliefs and stuff start to kind of play in and I think she's losing touch a little in um in her reality possibly I mean the other, the other way to sort of to read some of this is that you know she sort of it's, it's almost again it's a um she's referring to him as a white angel because he's clad in white and silver and yeah. obviously that represents you know purity and, mm. and goodness in her, in her eyes and she has chosen to wear red and she refers to herself as scarlet like you mm. know she's stained glass and I think you know we, we we know that stained glass windows are incredibly beautiful. It can be you know, mm-hmm. you know, great works of art, but the choice to wear scarlet and refer to yourself it, obviously you know you refer to yourself as a scarlet well, you refer to yourself, but you can be called a scarlet woman because mm-hmm. um, you know and to wear red having come out of a nunnery like it's almost like she's acknowledging her own or she feels that she has sin. You know she she's mm-hmm. sort of seeing Moon Knight saying well, you're 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 an apparition of purity and of good potentially. So yeah. are you, you know, are you an angelic figure against her being sort of, as she says, feels like she still has to redeem herself because she's stained. She is stained red or stained scarlet with the sin of yeah. being a failed, being a failed mother is how she sees it, I think. Yeah, no, and no, absolutely. I always, always took as well the stained glass aspect of her as this almost like a um, kind of stained glass, you know, it's made up of all these different pieces, a bit more of a fractured um, look to it, and as it's funny that you were mentioning that she's searching for what her role is, and she has put on so many different roles. I mean, you can, you can say there's the nun, the actress, the mother. Um, she hasn't really found her, her kind of her identity yet. Um, again, that could be another thing that you can kind of play off offset on, on Moon Knight. Although um, his identity is here. What I I wanted to raise a point here. Let me just find the page he's got. There was a very interesting um, because I don't think they really I don't think Mensch really kind of knew or defined his his separate identities. Again, they were, I think they were just personas, like like, mm. like conscious personas. So he he had kind of control over them. Uh, and it was on page two hundred and seventeen of the epic, and it's at the bottom. Um, and so he's about to go off and and chase these crims, and he um. He's now kind of nearly Moon Knight. He goes, don't worry about it, lady. Grant will be back, you know. And Marlene says, who will be back, Stephen? She still still calls him Stephen. Um, 
Okay, I'll, okay, already, I'll be back. You know, so he, he's kind of, um, I think, for me, I could be totally wrong there, but I thought he was, it's like, okay, okay, I am Stephen Grant. Okay, I'll be back. You know, I, I'm just putting on this this little play that, you know, I'm a different persona in Moon Knight. Um, yeah, I don't know if you made anything of that as well, Scott. It's just a little thing. Yeah, it's one of those things that's sort of, that's dotted throughout this run, isn't it? Sort mm. of like, um, whether or not they are... Uh, roles, like you say, sort of, you know, personas that he puts on, or is it actually something more? Yeah. Because um, the other thing as well with this is like when when you read the issue, and it's something I think that Munch does well, and it's it's presented better in other issues. Um, is a Stephen Grant, like you know, they talk about art, they talk about you know, they're, they're mournful of John Lennon, they mm-hmm. talk about music, you know, they like you say they're having a cultured evening, and it's all very sort of uh, the the dialogue between them is as you would expect of that people that are quite cultured. Yeah. And the moment he sort of dons yes. um, his moon knot, he refers to her as lady. So gone is her referring to her as Marlene or whatever. It's sort mm. of like, you know, yeah, don't worry about it, lady. Grant will be back. And he's sort of saying, look, I'll be back in that persona later. And um, like I say, she, I think I always feel that this is like, yeah, he, he sort of has to toughen himself up. He has to sort of fall back into those mercenary ways. Yeah. To survive as Moon Knight, sharpen his skills, his reflexes, his you know his senses. True, and so he has to sort of drop it a little bit, you know, drop that sort of facade, maybe. And I think I just don't think Marlene likes it. I think she gets a bit uncomfortable when that happens. Oh no, yeah, she she definitely. I think Stephen's her favourite. I mean, I, I think yeah. you mentioned that in some of the issues. She much prefers him. Um, it's funny as well. This kind of the the way he talks. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Jake Lockley as well. And it's funny mm. how down the line um, that the writers have associated Jake Lock- Lockley with the tougher, um, almost Moon Knight kind of aspect to him. Um, but um, that, Moon Knight becomes an identity in in himself. Um, so mm. there are four identities there. So, um, yeah, quite interesting there. Um, look, the art as well, I think, is... Um, it's, it's, it's still surprisingly kind of dark and grim even though you get these splashes of big color in it mm. uh, it seems perpetually at night which i think it is but i mean i'm even looking at again for some patroonies out there that can have a look at the video um you know some really flat bright colors used in the background mm. there um so um who is the is it christy skill is the is a colorist um you know she puts in um not afraid to put in big bold colors. Um, obviously, the primary colors for this this issue would be the scarlet, the red, um, and that's basically it, and the and the jet and silver. But um, there's still a, a surprisingly amount of uh, of bright colors in this. Yeah, I think the, the, you know again you get sort of Sinkovich's art, which is always really fluid and mm. it's sort of you know it always feels dynamic. Um, and uh, he definitely prefers to keep things. Um, you know, sort of, yeah, verging on the noir. You know, he sort mm. of likes that grim and gritty. And it works for this issue. Um, you know, I mean, again, sort of like weirdly, I think you know, his his art in the action scenes are good. Like, I'll never, you yeah. know, it, it sort of, um, it does sort of feel, um, and he, I think he acknowledges it. It's very reminiscent of sort of um, um, Denny O'Neill and uh, Neil Adams kind Neil of Batman Adams. from the 70s. You know, yeah. sort of, it reminisces that. But really comes through to me when she's telling her when she's telling her origin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a two-page spread. Really, um, I'll just show that. So for for your yep. tronies, 
Yep. So you get that two-page spread, and it's so well done. Like they, they mute the colours more. It's down to just blues and browns, um, and the panels are just sort of it's it's it just stands out because it's so different from the rest of the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's so good. Which is done before with um with the the edging of the panels um to mm. distinguish the the two, and so he definitely uses it here, and you can see it for the the two pages or the three pages um, with the flashback. It's a bit more of a. a, a like a, a charcoaly rougher sketch around the edges. Mm. Um, I think his layouts are, um, they're not as, um, uh, he doesn't play around with it as much as he has in some of the other earlier issues. I mean, later on in the later issues, I think he does start to play around with it. It's still pretty standard. It's quite condensed. Each page has a fair few, you know, decent panels in there. Um, mm. And we aren't treated with, um, actually, except for, Dare I say, except for the the first page, there aren't any major um, splash splash pages at all. Um, they're all kind no. of really cut up, and I wonder whether yeah. he that has been intentional as well to really give you that sense of like a mosaic um, because it's it's quite there's quite a lot of panels. <laughs> I mean, well, that's a really good point actually because I mean when you yeah. look at previous issues, like you know he has mm. been, you know he's been quite adventurous some of the panels. Um, and this does definitely feel like it's sort of it's very sort of solid, you know, from mm. a panel point of view. You're sort of keeping very consistent that the, even the number of panels on a page. Yep. Um, and there's very few sort of like transitional or exactly like you say, sort of even sort of like you know boundary breaking. That's right. Uh, panels. I don't know. Yeah, it feels it's good. I mean, it, again, maybe you know because the the story is trying to be um, quite grounded and quite sort of like you know an mm. emotional core maybe you wanted to keep it grounded but i don't know but you're right i mean that pa- that that page again as you referred to the the action page let's hold it up so this page yeah um, you know here oh yeah with the, with the solid the solid black ground that feels like a stained glass and like you say the, the solid yes. colors behind it and stuff it's yeah really, it does actually a that's... really good piece yeah, that's a good point as well. So maybe there is quite a lot of synergy here between um, maybe mm. a lot of discussions of, okay, how do we um, get this, this stained glass theme in there? I mean, even during that cultured evening, they look at the book of Alphonse Mucha, or Mucha mm. the uh, com- the collected works, and apparently it's similar to, to stained glass. Um, Mark goes on, the, cl- the Clark and Rizzoli's said, um, he's seen the originals of, of Mucker's works, ten feet tall, almost like stained glass windows, hanging in Belgium. So, so Mensch is really trying to introduce this, or, and the whole team of stained stained glass in there in some capacity. So, mm. um, yeah, rightly so. It could could be the colours as well. Um, having a look, what else have we got here? Um, seems very sense emotional. True. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't got too much um, in here uh, else to really kind of point out by way of um, stained glass scarlet. We know later on she actually the 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 history of her is fleshed out a bit. I mean, she's she comes mm. from an abusive relationship with Vince as well, so that's added on to her to her woes. Um, and she's uh, yeah. Do you remember the latter stained glass scarlet? She becomes like a. 
almost like an assassin or something during the re- registration or the initiative or something. Um, she, yeah, they they really try to sort of they make almost make her a bit like um, Huntress, don't they? Sort of yeah. from the DC world. She, they, they try that sort of thing, but yeah. I mean, she's also been a little bit spectral. I mean, if you go back to mm. Resurrection Wars, like she's the first thing that he, you know, That's when right. Mark is returned to life, like she's the first thing he sees. Yeah, and she's a big she's a big part of that story. So, um, I don't know. I prefer her being the grounded story. I mm. like this. Is the is the follow up in Mark Spectre Moon Knight? It's not in this one, is it? I think um, she comes back here. I think. I think she's yeah. she's uh, she returns here again. Yeah, I think for a later. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in this run. Because mm. um, she obviously does return in Mark Spectre Moon Knight for a, a the, four or five. Yeah, Scarlet Redemption. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, for, um, sure. for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, she's an interesting character. I like the fact that this is the basis for it like you know you get this story and mm. the final sort of two panels they do give a bit of an epilogue um you know and, and it, there's, a, there's a it's just sort of munchy sort of hitting home is you know some some succeed in their chosen mission others fail no matter how hard they try and you get the sort of the image of of you know of moon knight returning to um yeah uh, marlene and she's saying you know steven you're back um, um and others you know fail no matter what and again i think it's sort of to me, it's sort of like it can be taken wider. The chosen mission is addressed in all three of them. You know, Moon Knight yes. is there to fight crime, and he does. He's succeeding. He's doing what he can. Mm-hmm. Also, Marlene's mission, Marlene's mission is to help him redeem himself. Like she's and she is succeeding, and hopefully, make him a better person. Yeah. And as, you know, together, and then you still get that solitary image of Scarlet. Scarlet and again, yeah. she's failed in this role as a mother. So she's failed yet again to be failed as a nun, failed as a mm. wife, failed as a mother. Sounds horrible to say it, but it's, you know. uh, yeah, no, I mean, but unfortunately, that yeah, that is what happens to poor poor Scarlet. So she, um, mm. yeah, no, there's no, I mean, no wonder that she kind of goes down that spiral. Um, what isn't shown here as well, Scott, and which which comes up, I think, during the Mark Spector run and later on in the Mensch run with Scarlet, is this almost ESP connection or, or tele, not telepathic, there's a mental or a kinship between Moon Knight mm. and Scarlet, which um, is, I, I like it. It's quite ambiguous, but there, there seems to be a connection with them. Like, they seem to, I think it was in the Mark Spector run, um, they seemed to know what each other was doing or, or was up to, although they were far away. Um, mm. And they make mention of it later on anyway. So it, nothing nothing shown here. Um, the only relationship between uh, Stained Glass Scarlet and Moon Knight, uh, which I mentioned, I think, a, a bit earlier, and we discussed was um, was the White Angel. Because she, she has... I mean, so she has that kind of devoutness in her from being a, a, a nun, uh, and, and obviously that's kind of... Um, kind of followed on in, into her language. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, no, uh, very, very interesting. Any other any other final thoughts here, Scott, before we, we may crack yeah. onto a rating? Yeah, no, just, just one final one. I was just, yeah. I've just been flicking through. So this, obviously, is the Epic epic mm-hmm. uh, Collection Volume 2. They do have, so the final issue in this is number 23. So ah. I think she returns in 24 because what you get is the, the ne- in, in next issues ah. is, so in there, it says at the top of it, uh, she wants revenge. He wants her to have it, but can he turn his back on cold-blooded murder? Ah, right. Um, and, yes. uh, so that's her. So I'm, I'm going to go and have a read that in a bit. Yeah. Um, I think, <laughs> so I think that's the one that, as you say, that she she goes after the gang, and then she um, mm. she tries. That's when she has the crossbow. Uh, yeah. That's that's. I think it's set in the Bronx again as well. So this is set yeah, in yeah. the Bronx. Is um, 
My geography is not good. Is that is that in New York? That is in around New yes. York. Okay, yeah, so it's still New York. South, yeah, south sort of one of the five boroughs in it, Bronx. Okay, okay. yeah, the the tougher the tougher end of uh, yeah. New York. Yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Well, if there's nothing else, um, how about we give this a rating? So, mm. Lenny's um, and Scott as well. I'm not sure if you're familiar. We have two rating systems here. We have the vanilla rating system based on the phases of the moon. You can cut out of ten. Um, or we have Connishu's rating system, which is a slightly more, um, I guess, bespoke uh, rating system. <laughs> um, and you can choose your your um, your score thus. I, th- I think I'll, I'll go for the, the Connishu's rating. Okay, um, excellent. I'm going to go for it's a big, beautiful yellow man, <laughs> okay. which is a, you've got as a number as an eight. It's eight. definitely sort of yeah. It's um, Oh, you know what would that be in, in yours? It's sort of an eight, yeah, waxing gibbous. The waxing, yeah, um, big beautiful. Say, I'm, I'm putting you down for the big beautiful yellow man. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a very strong. That's an eight out of ten. Look, um, I would give it a a solid. Uh, I gave it a last quarter moon or a three quarter moon. So that's a seven and a half out of ten. Um, very enjoyable. I didn't know what to expect when um I was going to go in for a reread again. Um, just before you know, before we were when we were preparing for the show, Scott. But I still thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it still holds up so well. Um, mm. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see not. Uh, to hear of non Moon Knight fans, how they how they take the issue as well. Um, from what I understand, a lot of them, I don't know. I, I guess the 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 mastery of Bill Sienkiewicz is not immediately apparent to mm. a lot of people, unless you kind of really invest in a lot of his works and you see the journey he takes from from the early Neil Adams, as you say. Beautiful art, though. I'm talking about the mm. stuff around the Hulk magazine. That stuff, I don't know. Just I really love that kind of look. Until like now, he's really starting to to change and turn his art really into his own. Um, but he does amazing stuff in this. Uh, um, more so in some other issues that we've had. There, there was one um, with the voodoo, um, the, the sorry, the yeah. New Orleans one, um, and there's yeah. the music one, which he really does flourish in. Um, but anyway, um, Sinkevich is is really cool. So seven and a half, and an eight from Scott. So uh, there you go, loonies. Check it out. Um, I'm interested. Oh, I'm going to have to just check what I gave it back in episode four. <laughs> Probably. Hopefully I'm still uh, still consistent. Uh, so anyway, loonies, um, as we wrap this one up, I wanted to, to give you the question for the prize giveaway. So if you had been following along and if you had read this issue, uh, the first loony to jump in, um, and let us know whose collected works do both Marlene and Stephen marvel at by the fire, and where does the artist come from? So there's a couple of couple of things there. Um, just get those in. So it's a, a two you know two headed question: whose collected works do both Marlene and Stephen marvel at, and where does the artist um, come from? So get your answers in quick sticks and the first loony to answer correctly will get two oversized ITK stickers. So um Scott we've just got we haven't got feedback for this issue as well. Um things are a little weird as I mentioned recording on a Saturday mm. dropping it on a Wednesday. Um so nothing by the way of that but we did get some feedback on YouTube on our episode 145 that was a couple of episodes ago. Uh, I just want to shout out CMK7 Chris uh, he mentions another terrific episode. I really enjoyed hearing Austin's take, particularly as a Deadpool fan as well. Incidentally, we did the Vengeance of the Moon Knight um, 
Oh yes, uh, the kills. Issue. Yeah, mm. killed, not dead. A really, really fun two-parter. Love this arc. So many great bits in there. Two that I think will stick with me forever was when Moon Knight spared the kidnapper, begging for his life until he saw the hand mark on the little boy's face, and when fighting with Deadpool, the line "Wait a minute, can't be killed." really shows how unstoppable Moon Knight is in straight kill mode. Even Bushman, as savage as he is, called Mark the best. Yes, mm. I'll, I'll, we'll take that. Um, circling back to my previous comment about the possibility of bringing Sinkev- uh, Sinkevich back for the Moon Knight relaunch, how can we make this happen? I know it sounds silly, but start a petition? I'd be down. <clears throat> I worry Marvel is not even considering this as an option, but I want to at least make sure it's something considered. I know after what I saw he did um, with the Electra series right after Mooney, I was kind of jealous. Uh, thank you, Chris. Very Actually, a very cool point there. Scott, mm. um, Sinkevich, I'm sure you'd love to see him back. For the, oh, the... even if it was like a single issue, you know, mm. even if they just sort of did him as a guest thing, oh, I'd love to see his art, especially now because he has, he's grown so much, as yeah. you said, to him, it's his own style. Um, to see him back on Moon Knight, even for one issue would be would be yeah. amazing. I think, um, I, I think you've hit it on the head there, Scott. I reckon there's a massive possibility that he will, because I, I only say that because Peter David and Dale Cairn have returned for um, mm. a new issue on the Maestro, the, the, the Incredible Hulk in the future. Um, so they kind of kick-started that with Future Imperfect back in the day, uh, and they've been invited back. And Peter David's come back for some other stuff. So mm. there's no reason why Doug Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz can come back for a one-off. I mean, I'm sure that they would, uh, they'd love that. Mm. We'd certainly love that. So um, Indeed. Maybe we can start a petition. Anyway, um, Scott, I just wanted to thank you so much for jumping onto the show. Um, uh, thank you very much. Um, before we go, we have a little something called a spectacle as well. So I'd like um, you to, if any of the loonies want to listen to you more or contact you about your two podcasts, where can mm-hmm. they find you? Yeah, well, the two podcasts, as I say, is, is 20th Century Geek um, and uh, Stories Out of Time and Space. Both can be found on iTunes, Spotify, uh, and all the other the podcast catchers. So just search for us out there. Um, and also, if you want to find us, 20th Century Geek is plastered everywhere. I'm sort of it's, it's at 20th Century Geek on uh, Twitter. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. You've got Instagram. And if you want to sort of talk more about the sci-fi uh, on either of them, but we've also got at Pod Time Space um, as well for stories out of time and space. Uh, and as I say, check that out as well. That's sort of everywhere. And we are going to be going deep diving into Red Dwarf for the next couple of weeks. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A, big, a big highlight there, guys. Check it out. If not, check out that Star Wars episode, as I mentioned, or, or the Starship <laughs> Troopers, as Scott mentioned as well. Thank you once again, Scott. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. I, you know, I always, as you know, Ray, any chance to talk Moon Knight, yeah. I will jump on it, no doubt. If uh, Well, I'll, I'll hold you to that because <laughs> we've got plenty of issues to cover still. Yeah. And uh, and I like what I'm hearing as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's great to have a, a, a different perspective on things as well um, and, and, like, different points raised. Um, makes it makes the discussion a whole lot more, more interesting. So really mm. cool. Um, Next phase, we will have a waxing crescent loony. So it is a um, a lunapic modern run review. So it's another comic book issue review. <clears throat> We're straight back into it. It's Moon Knight Volume Six, Issue Seven. It's the wrap up to the first arc by Brian Michael Bendis. Now, Scott, 
it was either going to be stained glass scarlet or this one. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought I thought you'd probably like the uh, the classic run a bit more. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I have thoughts on Bendis, mm-hmm. but um, no, th- th- yeah. I think stained glass scarlet was was definitely a preferable choice there. <laughs> um, and so anyway. Uh, I'll have another special guest with me joining there. Uh, that should be fun. Wrap up that first arc, and then I don't know. We might we might jump to another modern run um, after that. We don't we don't have to stick to Bendis, but um, it's certainly been very interesting going through Bendis's stuff. Um, mm. His first couple of issues, I, found, I, I was I was really enjoying it. I, I think it's good. It's just again, I think it works whole. It works better as a trade. Um, there are some issues that just like you enter it as if it's already in third gear. And then it goes to like mm. fourth gear. It's like, hang on, hang on. I feel like I've just jumped in the middle gear. Um, so yeah, anyway. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a good run. I mean, you know, I, I do have thoughts on some Bender stuff, but Maleev's art in it is just outstanding throughout. So yeah. um, I've got I've got the the oversized hardback because yeah, wow. Yeah, you know, even even if you don't read it, it's worth it is yeah. just looking at the art on that. It's yeah, it's beautiful yeah. to look at. Well, I might might get you on for a Bendis as well because it's always interesting to get nice, <laughs> colourful takes. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, look out for that, Loonies, uh, the following week. Uh, as mentioned, we're, we're part of a Patreon page. Check us out. Um, see the bonuses. Uh, it's all kind of, you know, we just do all this for fun, but um, trying to make it kind of extra fun for those that, that support the show, uh, even in a bigger capacity. We do love you listening to us, of course. Patreon.com slash ITK Moon Knight. Um, check it out. Again, a big thank you to Hello Headphones. If you use the code ITK Moon Knight as a promo code, you get 10% off their online store. Uh, also, um, check out our affiliate memberships with Amazon and Entertainment Earth on the links. Uh, anything you buy there goes our way as well, just to help prop up the show. Uh, finally, we're part of the collective, a uh, fantastic group of, of, um, of podcasts as well. Um, I'm not sure what your your take is on networks. Uh, we're a very informal network, Scott. I don't know if you, you um, love to have like your podcast as part of it, but um, I don't know. Some people don't don't like networks. It's it's fine, but um, no, no. I'm I'm always open to discussions. I've never really sort of uh, okay. um, thought about it to be honest. But yeah, okay. well, we can always have a conversation. Well, yeah, we might might have to. Uh, my people mm-hmm. speak to your people. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, the likes of. Um, of TV podcast industry is fantastic. Uh, Uncanny Nerdverse and uh, the Collected Edition by um, Paul Matthew Carr. Uh, really cool, cool podcast. Go check them out. They're well worth a listen. Finally, you can catch us on email, itkmoonnight at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal. We've got a couple of web- websites and, uh, and Podchaser as well. Um, Scott, I know you're on Podchaser. I have befriended you mm-hmm. there. Um, I, I love. I like Podchaser. It's fun. Um, unfortunately, there's no app for it, so I tend to listen to it on a small device. How about yourself? Yeah, because I've got. I've done it through the sort of the laptop a few times mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's not too bad actually as a as a go to for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can easily review stuff there. Um, um, chuck us a review. Chuck twentieth century. Um, geeks and uh, stories out of time and space a review there or a rating uh, it will just help expand our show so um, fantastic well then loonies that's it um, thank you so much for listening it's been fun revisiting Stained Glass Scarlet fun having Scott on mm. and uh, Scott um, yeah as I guess as we always say um, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night <laughs> catch you later guys cheers guys Moon Knight 
and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.